Kyle, thanks so much for joining us on Speaking of Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta. And today we welcome Dahlia Haroon, who is the president of Intersect Health, which helps healthcare organizations improve prevention, early intervention, and access to care. Dahlia, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your work, how you're addressing the prevention, the early intervention, and the access to care with Intersect? We focus on physician strategy, um, working with medical groups and physicians, um, and on innovative technologies in order to improve the prevention and, and early intervention and access. And, you know, I feel very passionate about that because it is all about creating healthier communities, right, which is, you know, essentially the mission statement of most health systems. Um, but we actually get to deliver on that when we focus on prevention and early intervention. It sounds, Dahlia, we were just talking about this before we uh, we got on the air. Uh, it, it sounds similar to population health, but with a slightly different emphasis. So maybe you can help our audience understand what are the key points that you're trying to bring out. Sure, it is, a, it is population health. Um, uh, but I work specifically with the medical groups and the physician groups um, in order to deliver on that. And there are a number of reasons of that. First of all, population health is it's, it's big, it's hard, and change is really hard. Um, and it requires different things. Like, for example, it requires aligned incentives, right? And so today, um, the way if we're going to focus, the health system is going to focus on population health, uh, they're looking at keeping people patients healthy, but the way that physicians are compensated is based on volume most of the time. And we're starting to see some um, infusion of incentives around quality of care, but for the most part, um, it, it is volume driven. And so that has to change, right? We need to align incentives there. We also need to align incentives with our payers. Um, and so if a health system or a medical group is contracting with a payer, it's also often based on volume. Um, and while the payer actually benefits financially when we keep patients healthy. And so how do we align physician, uh, incentives there? There's also, uh, you know, this should be, this is a change in how we deliver care, right? This is a change in how we take care of our communities. And so for that, it requires, you know, in my opinion, physician, um, for it to be physician led. We need to have physicians telling us how to change the way that we take care of patients in order to keep them healthy, not just for treatment. And there will always be a, a role for treatment and a, and a place for that, but how do we keep them healthy in the first place? Well, the problem is um, certainly that our physicians for, you know, by and large are burnt out. So 40% of physicians are burnt out. So we're asking them to lead us into this new era of keeping patients healthy. Um, uh, but, but we're asking them to do more when they're already burnt out. So how do we address that? So some of the organizations that you work with that are doing this well after you've implemented some of your solutions, what are those key success factors that you see them doing? Is it collaboration? Is it adopting new technology or processes? What's making it work once you're helping them? So those organizations really have a clear strategy of where they want to go. I think that's the first piece, right? They're not just doing this incrementally because incrementally, we're not going to get there. It needs to be transformational. Um, the other thing is they've really shifted the way they think about this from getting physician buy-in, which is how we've always worked, 
to having physicians lead the way and really empowering them to be driving this forward. So that's a big difference. Um, and then aligning the incentives, of course. Um, the other thing that they have gotten very good at or the ones that are successful are, are very good at is that they recognize that physicians can't do this on their own, right? We can't just lay this responsibility um, on them. And there are some critical things that they need to have in place. And so, you know, we have all these great technologies and innovative technologies, but everything that we put forward um, seems to add more work to the already burnt down position, right? And so what we need to do is start looking at how can we bring innovative technologies that actually allow physicians and empower them to focus on you know, prevention and early intervention and driving us in that direction um, by taking away some of that additional. So the, the technology should make this easier <laughs> for, for physicians, um, not add to their, their workload. Yeah, I'm really intrigued, Dahlia, that you've brought in that burnout connection because it's so true. I mean, I think it has to be recognized that uh, even that 40% number might be so low uh, because, you know, during COVID, what we've seen is that uh, all uh, clinicians, nurses, uh, therapists, uh, pharmacists are also getting burned out. Leaders are getting burned out. It's it's become really epidemic uh, that, you know, that, uh, that people are feeling exhausted by what they're being asked to do. So it's tremendous that you're integrating it into the way in which you're approaching uh, the work. Uh, and, and I guess my question to you related to that is, uh, as you as you do that, do you feel that the strategies you have uh, to undertake that are effective in getting people uh, more engaged? Uh, is it is it does it feel like it's a raging fire and you're just trying to put it out with a fire hose, or do you feel like you have more uh, you know tools at your disposal? I think it's um, I think it's a big issue, right? You're not gonna change it overnight, but there are some things that, um, that certainly can move the needle, okay? So when I think about burnout, for example, and it's not just physician, you're absolutely right, it's, it's clinicians, it's, it's staff, it's leadership, um, but burnout generally happens uh, when one of three things are missing. Either people are not in roles that they are, you know, like we always say top of license, right, in healthcare, but we're, they're doing what they're really, really great at and what they really enjoy, okay? So that's kind of the first part. Um, the other part is when they are having to sacrifice things that are really important in, in life, right, in order to do the job. So if they are, you know, not with their families or they are, their mental health is being sacrificed or, or their physical health or whatever it is because of the work, um, they're also going to burn out. And then third, they have to have that support in place to be successful, to be able to focus on what they do best. Um, and so all that support comes from, you know, we're talking leadership support, the technology, the resources, whatever it is in order to be successful and effective in what they do um, really well. And so those three components together really uh, uh, create a situation where, you know, we can actually affect burnout. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think, and I guess it only brings up the next question, which is now, as you bring this together, I love the way Stephanie introduced it, which is, and maybe the name of your company, Intersect Health, which is you're, you're at the intersection point of all of these, you know, very critical uh, uh, functions that need to happen. Uh, have you seen this all come together in a way that then allows for uh, a successful, you know, physician group to emerge out of that? Do you have examples of those? 
So sure, and um, it, it, probably not using names <laughs> for, for privacy purposes, um, but certainly we have, you know, the idea of putting physicians in roles that they enjoy, we've been doing that for, for 20 years, right? Um, in different capacities. Um, often you see that in academic medical centers. So really looking at uh, how they're spending their time, um, what areas of focus there. So if you have a clinician that is working, that we that is so good, and we generally will just say, oh, well, you should be the chairman of this department. Um, you know, that's not often what they want to be doing. They're really great clinicians. So we have to to look at how people are, are spending their time. And when we can change that, and of course, um, along with that come the incentives. So looking at how we how they're spending their time and then compensating them accordingly, right? So we're not penalizing them for doing things that are um, important to us and valuable to us as a health system, um, but we're, we're aligning those incentives. So that is one way that, that people have seen, you know, that's ultimately, um, kind of an area that we see great improvement pretty quickly is once we've aligned those incentives. It's interesting that you used that, uh, that example of that not everybody, you know, you're the best, whatever, you're the best uh, neurosurgeon that we have. Why don't you chair the department? And I worked in tech for a while and it was that same thing. There was a conversation in HR at one point where they said, you know, okay, there's engineers. And it was like, well, the natural career path is you become a team lead and a manager and a senior manager and a director. And people, some people were like, well, I don't want to be that. I want to be an engineer. I really just want to be an engineer. And I want to have a career path where I can advance and thrive in that still excelling but not necessarily meaning that I'm going to be leading this group. And it sounds like the exact same thing you're saying with physicians, that some of them, you know, they just say like, I really just want to keep doing surgery. I want to do all surgery all the time. I don't want to have to lead a team and do the admin, which is to your point about, you know, one of the, you have various incentives, but one of them is, you know, their life and actually how they're spending their time and what they're doing and how they feel they're thriving. And so when you were telling us about before we, did our pre-interview, you were saying that physician happiness and satisfaction actually helps improve things like the access and prevention because it allows them to take that lead that you're trying to get them to. So tell us how are, once you get the physicians all, you know, pretty happy, they're in the situation that they feel like they're able to thrive doing the best work that they can, how are they able to take that lead and help these patients get over the barriers that they're seeing with access or prevention or maybe resistance to going out, you know, to do this because you have some telemedicine options. Tell us, how are you bringing that all together? So once the once we have people in place and we have people who are in positions um, to who can take a leadership role, right, without having an impact to their, their compensation or their day, right, then we, we ask them. I mean, we, we, I think historically it's always been kind of a, a little bit of a top down. Here's what we're going to do in healthcare. Um, but really, it's the, they have the answers. They know what they, you know, you put them together, you have um, primary care and you have endocrinologists and you're talking about what is the best pathway for a diabetic to, you know, when do I need to, to talk to the endocrinologist? So we're changing the way um, care is delivered. I'm not going to be able to do that, right? I'm not a, a physician, but you get the right physicians in the room 
um, who are excited about this, who are looking, you know, who want to change, who want to see improvements um, uh, made in the organization, and 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 they came up with uh, amazing things. So it, it feels like uh, participation, right? Engagement, participation, getting the getting the right people involved. Uh, and then hearing from them, which, which sounds pretty simple and straightforward, but uh, that's not what's happening within health systems. Uh, you know, so, so what's your, what's your th thought around that? Is it, what is missing? Why is that not happening already de novo? Why does it kind of have to be brought from outside? Um, you know, is it just because we've added so many more pressures on people? Uh, or what is it about the nature of health systems that prevents them from having these dialogues internally? Well, I think that uh, historically, you know, when you when you go in and you know, I interview lots of physicians about what is your what is your struggle and communication. I mean, communication is is always hard, right? In any um, in any organization, that level of trust that you have my best interest in, you know, at heart. Um, that you know, there's often history and previous administrations, and and it's it's complex, right? And so having kind of an outside uh, group to come in and, and facilitate that discussion and, and, and it kind of bring out the, uh, the, the, the great ideas and start to address some of the, the barriers that have you know, been in place for a really long time, I think helps. Um, and then I always like to say, you know, then <laughs> at the end of the day, when there's you know, heated, um, when there's heated discussion, you can always point at the consultants and say, well, there, it was them who, who pushed us. But I think, you know, in all seriousness, I, I do think it's about open communication and transparency and getting people in a room in a productive way, not to uh, air out all of the frustrations, but really to start to think about the future and what we want to design um, for the future of our organization, for the future of healthcare. Yeah, if, uh, Dahlia, actually, I was just thinking, if I were to ask you, uh, based on that, what is the most challenging or satisfying experience you've had in that regard uh, that comes to mind? Is there anything that, that immediately you think about? Well, I think about, you know, when I when we first walk in and we, we, we meet all of the players and there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of this is never, you know, going to work. Um, this is just another thing that we're going to do. And then we start moving along the process. And not only do they start to see the possibilities, but to get people energized again about the work that they do, to be able to see a, I'm actually going to be excited about, you know, medicine and about healthcare and, you know, physicians and leaders and all of that. And to see them to start to work together and really identify the things that are in the best interest of all parties involved is um, with the patient at the center, of course, is always um, really intriguing. So. Thank you. How does this, I'm going to, for my final question, ask you about you. And so it sounds like, interestingly enough, the theme of so much of what you've said has been just the human aspect. You know, you're dealing with very real topics of burnout and prevention and access, but it ultimately seems to go back to the human aspect and energizing them. So what is it about you going in there and dealing with all of these challenging situations every day with different systems? What keeps you going? What is it that you love about this and energizes you about the work that you're doing? 
So I always think about the people in my life who have struggled <laughs> with it. So, you know, my, my dad, I always think about my dad. He's nearing 80. He's had multiple heart surgeries. He's always incredibly stressed out from the moment he leaves the hospital or his physician office till the next appointment, wondering, you know, is anything going to be off? Is anything going to happen? And so I think about, you know, how can we make this easier for him? How can we improve access for him? How can we give him peace of mind? So, which is why at Intersect, we're, we're really focused on, you know, remote monitoring and, and using AI in order to, to, to kind of drive that, empower that. Um, so that he's not always, he'll, he, like my dream is for him to be able to, you know, between appointments, know that he is um, being monitored, that the physicians know, you know, if something is going to go wrong. And that would, that's what drives me. Thank you. I really appreciated this conversation. I thought there were so many great things that you're working on and I loved hearing all about it. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.